It's October 5th, 2018, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Holly. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. We are so happy to be back here and even happier to have Holly back. We've had a couple episodes where Holly's had to be absent because she's um, had an illness or just been down just with a crud. The crud. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's almost fall in Dallas, and that's what everybody's dealing with. Yeah, yeah, my voice is still a little bit froggy from all the coughing, but I think it's it's well on its way back to well, we're happy to have you back. And I am happy to be back. Yeah. What is new in your world besides just being able to be in the office? Well, currently I'm really jealous of my son and his wife because they are traveling in Portugal for two weeks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, I wish I were with them. <laughs> in fact, I saw some photos of them on Instagram and yeah. just, yeah, it looked beautiful. Oh, the places they've been staying have just been Incredible, and the weather's been good, and so. But they'll be back to the mundane pretty soon. <laughs> to the everyday, yes. slogging through life like the rest of us normal people. Yes. Yes. Well, the latest at our house is that we have a newly minted four-year-old. My youngest just had his birthday uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, I don't know what it is about turning four, but he's it's now he's like he's seventeen. So he's talking in these like crazy long sentences and asking me these very elaborate questions. And it's funny, they'll teach him phrases at his preschool. And one of the new ones is, Mommy, may you please assist me? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of asking, Mommy, help, help. It's, Mommy, may you please assist me? I just go, oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, that's the cutest thing ever. But yes, I will assist you. (laughs) So yeah, kudos to the preschool teachers for teaching them real English. Uh, But yes, it is quite humorous seeing it, hearing it coming out of a little body. (laughs) And I saw the photos of his first official soccer game. (gasps) Oh my goodness, we are pro. Boy, was he full of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He was so excited. Yes, we fought, we had multiple weeks where we had canceled practices and canceled games because we were just, we had so much rain. And of course, they won't let us destroy the soccer fields when it's all soggy. So we finally got to play his very first soccer game this weekend. And they won, but they don't keep score. But, you know, all the parents were excited to see the them. The parents keep score. The, the parents keep don't. score. Yeah, it's not official. Um, yeah, and the funny thing was the coach of the other team, we played the Red Llamas, and there was a lot of llama drama, and these because it was a little girl's team, and they were, you know, it was all about the bows, and all about the matching pink socks, and it was, it was cute. But they had a big pink stuffed llama that they attached to the goal that they wanted the little girls to run towards. <laughs> so that they wouldn't forget which end they were heading towards. And then at halftime, they switched it, and they moved the llama to the other side. It was really hysterical. and But, yeah, it was the one thing we all sort of questioned is we got out there, and as we're all slogging through the still soggy grass and the cuttings and all this on our shoes, and then we get there, 
And because we've had all these practices canceled, we haven't even seen our coach in about a week and a half. So he finally has our the rest of our uniform, which is the shorts, and they're white. And I'm like, are you serious? White shorts on four-year-olds? <laughs> like, you, really? You're going to put me in the, the laundry challenge of the year to keep these clean for six weeks? He's probably vamping for a commercial. I, something. Yes. We need a sponsor by Procter & Gamble. I mean, really? So, yeah. So they were all trashed. And even within about 10 minutes, one of the little boys had fallen in a puddle and just had his whole rear end was just a gigantic, oh, it was just a mess. So poor little guys, you know, but they don't care. So it was fun. And he, I, we kind of decided that Nathan, my little one, was He's going to be the social chair of the team because he's the one out there who's running around chasing the ball. He does really great, but then he'll stop and wave and have the biggest, cutest smile on his face, but he'll, he'll stop and wave at mommy and daddy. And, um, and some of the other parents were just like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, but I need him to focus on the ball. But, yes, he's so cute. So anyway, but that's what the first year of soccer is all about. So at least he wasn't picking flowers or chasing butterflies or you know, running towards the opposite goal. So, you know, small victories for sure. <laughs> so anyway, that keeps us busy for sure. But when we're, uh, you know, we have to come back to our day job. Uh, Holly and I have realized that we get quite a few phone calls when we have potential new clients calling the office. And oftentimes they say, you know, I've never done this before. I don't even know if I really need an architect. So we thought we would put together some questions that either you as a homeowner, or if you are an architect, maybe you can use these to help sort of coach through a potential client and figure out, do you actually really need an architect? Because there are certain projects where maybe you don't. And maybe it's okay to just call your contractor, or maybe all you need is an interior designer. So um, that's our goal for today, is to go through some examples and some questions and figure out um, just what is it that requires an architect and then how can we help? How can we best be of service uh, to you and your project? One of the first things is that different communities have different requirements for what actually needs a building permit. Because you don't always need a building permit. If you're not going to move a wall or move electrical around, then they consider that something that doesn't need a permit. So one of the first things that you can do is go onto your community's website and do a search for either building inspection or building inspector or building permit. And they'll usually have a list of what needs a permit and what doesn't need a permit. And then they'll usually also have a list of the things that you need to submit in order to get a permit. And sometimes that list will say that you have to have, if you're going to do an addition for an example, that you have to have drawings that are done by an architect and stamped by an architect. Other times it just says you have to have drawings. So you have to read the list very carefully and see what your community requires before you ever get started. Yeah, and if you're living in a large city that has a very active building inspection department, they'll have all of these lists and checklists on there as PDF downloads, um, or at the very least, a web page. But if you're in a smaller community that maybe doesn't have all these resources at your fingertips, just give them a call. Just say, 
you know, if you have to play dumb, just tell them what you're trying to get done and just hopefully they'll point you in the right direction of somebody that can answer the questions and tell you what they're going to require. Because what you don't want to do is to not sort of get all your ducks in a row and then you go, okay, we're ready to start. And you go down to the city to get a permit or your contractor goes and all of a sudden you're missing half the things you need. So this is your due diligence. This is what you need to know ahead of time before you get too far into the process um, so that you really know exactly what you're getting into. So here are some examples of when you probably only need to call a contractor. First of all, ask yourself, is the work of repair to an existing, and fill in the blank, to an existing plumbing area, electrical, say you're having a water heater replaced or you're just replacing or repairing your roof, um, even changing out a garage door may not require a permit. So um, if it's generally a repair to your house, and, and I don't, do they require a permit on a water heater? Because that might be the one thing that... Yeah, they require, some cities require permits on water heaters. Because especially if it's gas. If, if it's gas. Right. And almost all cities now require permits for roofs to make sure that they come out and inspect the roof because there's so many just roofing contractors that are fly by night and don't do a good job. Yeah, or even if you're putting up a new fence, they're yeah, fences want, always require yeah, permits because they days. have to check where the poles are and make sure that you're within your property boundaries and that the fence like that. isn't too high because usually cities or communities will have uh, rules and regulations on how high a fence can be. Okay, so, and where it's located. Right, but if it's just a basic repair, like you've had a leak in your kitchen sink, or you've got a stopped-up toilet, or Anything like that that you can just call a repairman, that's not typically going to require um, a permit. But if it requires turning off gas and turning it back on, oftentimes they want the inspector there to make sure everything's not going to explode. That would be nice. Or at least they want to know that you're having it done. Yes, and that it's done correctly and safely. Right. And then another instance would be just a, a simple kitchen or bathroom remodel. And you're replacing cabinets in the same place. You're just going to change the look. You may need a permit, but you may not need an interior designer or an architect, especially if you know what it is that you want and you want to go down to uh, a tile place and choose your tile or go and work with somebody at Lowe's or Home Depot or, or a cabinet place uh, and have them design your cabinets. Uh, so you may not need an interior designer or an architect you can just stay with your contractor yeah oftentimes the contractors have great connections with really good cabinet guys and they can help guide you through through the selection process and oftentimes that's based on your budget so they'll help narrow what's available to you based on kind of what you're wanting to afford the next question that you might want to ask is do you want to pick out all of your own cabinets and flooring and tile and appliances and paint colors or do you want help? So if you are wanting to do all the selections, then you're good to go. All you got to do is pick out what you want and call a contractor to install it. Versus if you want some assistance, then you have the option of calling a design professional, which would be an architect or interior designer. But if you've got it all squared away and you know exactly what you want, then you're good. Just call somebody to help you install it. The last question, really an important one, is to ask yourself, if you're going to want to create something that's going to aesthetically affect the value of your house because you don't want to 
take a chance on the appearance of your house if you're not sure of what it is that you like. Um, because sometimes contractors are good at building things, but not really good at the design end of it, or not really good at picking out tile and cabinets and things that go together. So you really need to see if you trust what their taste level is, if you don't trust your own, and see if you need to get an interior designer or an architect involved. But if you have a contractor that you know has done great projects and has possibly somebody on their staff that helps pick stuff out and maybe they even have a draftsman or an architect that they work with all the time then by all means you know if you like the work that they do and please go and take a look at work that they have done before you engage a contractor to make sure that it's the quality level and it's what it is that you're looking and ask that homeowner of the project that you're visiting, ask them what their experience was and if they're happy with the durability and, and the usability of what that contractor installed. And was the contractor easy to work with. <laughs> yeah. And this and that. <laughs> Just a few things to consider. Okay, so now we're going to take it up to the next level. So here are some examples of when an interior designer can do what you need to have done. And maybe... There's a certain point where project might be crossing a line and then you may have to call an architect. But let's kind of explore when it's appropriate to call an interior designer. So first of all, are you just wanting to freshen up and update your interior? Meaning, are you just interested in finding some new furniture or maybe picking some new paint colors or you're just ready for some new flooring? You know, you need some help finding the right carpet or tile. Um, or maybe you just have like say a powder bath or a hall bath or something that needs some new cabinets or even a kitchen for that matter. But really it's just focused on the interior finishes and fixtures and furniture, those types of things. If that's all you're really needing, there are architects who can help you do that, but typically that's the perfect project for an interior designer. And they've got the resources and the experience and the really wonderful design skills that can help you get there. Then the next one is if you're tired of your lighting. You don't want to move fixtures, but maybe just change out what they look like. For instance, if you've got a chandelier that's from the 60s hanging over your dining room table and you'd really like to get it updated, then you might want to go and find an interior designer who can come help you find the ideal fixture just to make that room shine. Then you might also ask, are you ready to remodel, say for example, your master bathroom? And do you need help picking out tile and plumbing fixtures? So if you have one specific room that maybe needs some help and you need to just work on those finishes, that's a great project for an interior designer. The place in the project where we start to see, we get phone calls from homeowners who have been working with an interior designer that they're very happy with, but they've allowed the project to grow to a point where literally it has crossed a line. So the interior designer maybe is extremely talented in picking finishes and colors and helping put an entire house together, but maybe they just don't have the staff person that can draw up the plans or they're not, they might be maybe an old school interior designer and they just, they never got on the AutoCAD bandwagon and they just don't do drafting. Um, and so that, if that's a requirement for the project in order to get a building permit, that's something that they're not going to be able to provide. And that's when you're going to have to call an architect. 
So, we get down to when do you really need an architect? Whenever you start moving or removing walls, making an addition to your house, raising the roof, and we've had lots of people call us wanting to take the roof off and add a second story, then you really need to think about calling an architect. Because in general, if it deals with changing the exterior of your house, adding a porch, moving windows or doors, or building an outdoor kitchen, whenever it is that you'll need measured drawings, or that you're adding electrical or something that needs a foundation, then you're going to need an architect to get involved. You may end up also having to have a structural engineer, depending upon the community that you live in. Lots of times, anytime there is a foundation or structural beams that are involved, many cities will require that you have a structural engineer just for those small parts of the project. Another time when you really need an architect is if you're working, if your house is in a historic district, a conservation district, or some area that requires review at the state, the city level, in order to get approval to proceed because sometimes there are lots of hoops that you have to jump through in order to make sure that your house conforms to those special types of districts. Yeah, those reviews can get extremely complicated. And so, by the way, if you are an architect and you get approached by a project or by a homeowner with a project in one of these conservation districts, make sure that you don't just give them your standard fee because you will get swallowed up by hourly rates or your hourly time down at the city, potentially having to sit down with the plan reviewer and go through endless checklists of what they want to see and what kind of specifications do you have to give them. You know, even down to you have to have the exact model of the windows that are going to go in there and have they been approved by the historic district commission, blah, 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 you know, just be prepared. They get really, (laughs) really picky. They can be very picky, and for good reason, because they're trying to protect the historical integrity of the neighborhood, and at the end of the day, it really makes a big difference, but for those of us in the industry who have to deal with it, it gets very tedious, so it's quite the process. Just heads up, and if you're a homeowner in one of those districts, or you're looking for, you love an older home, and you have found a home that you might want to buy, and it happens to be in one of these, just be aware that just making repairs on your house or changing a window it is not an easy process. So just know that going in because it can be tricky. And a lot of the districts, they won't even let you change the exterior paint colors. Right. So that's one of the things when you're buying a house, check to see if it's in a special district like that. And then also check to see if it's in a flood zone. Whenever you start moving plumbing, electrical, or major HVAC that requires a permit and it requires inspections by an inspector. If you start moving outlets and electrical around, they usually want to see a plan. And so if it's extensive, you'll probably need an architect in order to have that happen. Okay, so one important question to ask when you're thinking about starting a project is, are you making changes that are intended to increase the value of the home Uh, either for resale or um, if you're actually an investor and you're planning on on flipping or reselling it pretty quickly? Um, Or are you trying to improve your personal lifestyle and enjoyment of the home? 
So the point of this question is to ask, are you trying to make a change that has potentially several solutions? Um, because a contractor is going to look at what you're asking for and they're going to give you option A, B, and C based on what's on sale at Home Depot and what's going to get him in, in and out of your house the fastest or what's going to fit on the back of his truck. He's not going to give you options based on what's going to allow you to grow your family over the next 15 years and enjoy countless family holidays because of a number of reasons. He's not going to look at it in a way that maybe construction is a little bit more complicated, but it makes every difference in the world in how you get to enjoy that space. So those would be reasons to sit down, take a little bit of time and sit down with somebody like an architect who can think through it in a way differently that a contractor would. Another issue is, do you know what bothers you about your house? You know, a room is too small or you never like the way that this room flows into that room, but you haven't got any idea on how to fix it. Because lots of times architects can take a look at these different situations and come up with an idea that you would never have thought about on how to make it all work for you. We had one client where they wanted to redo their kitchen and breakfast area and we ended up suggesting that they incorporate the breakfast area into the kitchen and turn their dining area that they would have never used into their breakfast area. And all of a sudden they went, wow, that just works. You know, and they would have never gotten there if they hadn't had an architect. Yeah, and we've had several clients who knew that their master suite was outdated, you know, their bathroom and their closets. They wanted them to work differently and to have a separate tub from a separate shower or have a much larger closet, you know, things like that. But they had no idea how to get there because the master suite was landlocked. You know, it couldn't, it couldn't expand in the in the current footprint. So, they came to us asking for help and to literally think outside the box. And so we were able to look at the floor plan as a whole, and find ways to use rooms that weren't being used to incorporate into the master suite to give them more square footage. And had they only gone to a contractor. He might have said, well, we can squeeze in a tub here and we can, you know, shift this closet here. But he might not have thought to offer a bigger, more dramatic, but more amazing solution. I don't want to say that all contractors can't think that way, but you're taking a risk by not, at least not talking to somebody that has more design training. So if you're somebody that kind of likes to work with rules of thumb, here's a question that you might ask that might um, give you a different perspective on your project. So for example, is the budget that you have to put towards this, this project or remodel that you want to do, is the value of that or the cost of that, is it 10% or more of the value of your house? If it is, you probably need to consult an architect. So for example, if your house has a, a value of 400000 you probably need to talk to an architect if your remodel is going to be more than $40,000 in construction because, not just because it ends up, you know, puts you in a different category of like say a bigger kitchen or whatever that $40,000 equals, but that that 10% of your house value, that's a lot of skin in the game. That's a big investment. And so you probably need to work with somebody that's got your back because an architect, not only do they have design training, but their job is to be your advocate. 
So if you go into a really big construction project all on your own and it's just you and your contractor, who's going to back you up? Who's going to look at that construction and know whether or not the contractor is doing what he said he was going to do? So the contractor is going to build it, but the architect is going to keep an eye on what's going on for you and bring up questions, be able to solve problems, and really help you protect that investment. Yeah, and that's, that's really important. And we've learned that lesson several times in the past couple of years. So that's a good segue into some examples that we wanted to share of actual projects and actual clients who have contacted us, unfortunately, after they have already made the decision to not go with an architect. They figured out that that was not the right way to go. And so then we get a phone call saying, help. We need your help and we need to fix this. This has happened so frequently to us that we have a name for it. We call it rescue architecture because we're having to come to the rescue and try and solve problems for what has happened before we got a call. Right, and typically what we find is that, unfortunately, the, the homeowner has not done a project like this before, and they make the decision to not use an architect solely based on cost. Because, I mean, we're not, we're not going to fool you and try to say that architects are free. There is an added cost to the project if you work with an architect. However, I would say nine times out of ten, that's going to more than pay for itself in the time and money that you save and honestly, heartache and stress that you can save by working with an architect and, and having them be your partner on the project. Because what we see with these folks calling us is that they've wasted time, they've wasted money by going with somebody um, that they knew, like say a drafts person or somebody that draws on the side, somebody they thought they could save money with. The person they choose is not skilled to do what these people need to do. So they've wasted time, they've wasted money, and then they end up still needing an architect in the end. Yeah. So, for example, one one call that we got was from a couple that um, they went to a draftsman who was the nephew of a friend from church, and um, this guy was, I think he was in part-time design school or something like that, Anyway, technically, he knew how to turn on a computer and draw lines on the screen. (laughs) But that was about the extent of what he was able to do. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Run the other way. So, you know, on paper, it looked like he knew what he, or at least he advertised that he knew what he was doing. But unfortunately, when we got to see a copy of what he had produced for them, it was a total mess. And this was a pretty extensive Was this a a whole house or a renovation that they were doing? I can't remember. It was a whole house. It was a whole house. And the stairs didn't reach the second floor. And the bathrooms didn't function. There wasn't enough room to sit on the toilet and get up off the toilet. Yeah, the shower door swung and and hit you in the knees if you were sitting on the toilet. Um, And then just the entire house was, it was just ugly. It was so unfortunate. The there wasn't really much of an architectural style. He just kind of threw a bunch of whatever was kind of the standard details in this, you know, little cheap program that he had found. And the kitchen was absolutely awful. There was no That's way you could cook in it. Right. And so not only would that have just been a horrible disaster for the, the family that was going to build this house, but they wouldn't have been able to sell it. So they would have 
had a horrible house and then be stuck with it because nobody else would be able to live in it either. So that was really unfortunate. And we were sad that, of course, that they had to go through that experience. But fortunately, they realized what they had before they got too far down the line. And then we were able to step in and, and modify the plan so that they worked. There was another house that we were called in, but they were halfway through construction. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this one was amazing. I don't know that I've ever been called in on a project like this where it was this far along. And the person who was the designer, their only claim to being a designer was they had bought some $99 design software at Barnes & Noble. Right. That was about the extent of it. He, and it was just awful. Yeah, he was a house enthusiast, and he had some money that, you know, you know, more dollars and cents, you know, one of those. And unfortunately, he had put these plans together and found somebody that would build it for him. And he got halfway through, it was totally framed. It had sheathing on the outside, it had a roof, um, but it was kind of a mess. And so he ran out of money. I think it just became a total, you know, burden on him and decided that he would try to sell it halfway through construction. So we got called in by some investors that thought maybe they could save it and turn it around and, and make some money off of it. Um, but it just turned out that there was so much that needed to be done. And it they was ended just, up having to demolish the house. Yeah, it was so unfortunate. Um, and really, I mean, when Holly and I looked at the, the plans and the exterior elevations of this house, we just we kind of cried a little bit inside. It was just, it was so sad because we didn't want to see a good house be just wronged in so many ways. Like the windows, the spacing and the size of the windows were horrible. The style of the window, I mean, it had about 18 different styles trying to be attached to this house. And it was, it was just sad. It was like a, multiple personalities and it was trying to be a, a big boy house and it really wasn't. And I don't know. Um, yeah, and I, I hope we're not coming across as being elitist or, you know, like we're super fancy, but there's just certain things you should not do to a house, you know, like houses want to be respected, and this one was not. Well, it's not only that, it's that you have to think about how they're going to be lived in. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've got to have a sense of how people live and what makes people comfortable, what makes a house something that becomes your home. And it makes it lovely to live in every day. Well, and, so. and the floor plans needs to be efficient because, honestly, what's the point in spending good money on square footage in a house that will never get used? Right. You know, if you're just building an area of a house so that you can stick a table and a lamp in it and a mirror, and then you're never going to function in that space ever again, why would you spend money on that? So we really try to make sure that when we look at a floor plan like that, that we're making the most of the budget and most of the efficiency of the house as well. Okay, so in the end, if you are looking to do a remodel or an addition or a repair or whatever you're gonna do to your house, first of all, if the sole driving factor in your decision is price, whether or not to call an architect or not, I would caution you right away that you may be getting yourself into a place that's gonna cause you trouble. So first of all, a phone call to an architect typically does not cost anything. We're happy to take phone calls and talk people through whether or not they need an architect or not. The thing that you have to keep in mind though is that if you go the cheap route and you try to draw it yourself or you go with a contractor who says they can draw it, you could be looking at more cost because 
For example, your contractor may end up giving you a bad estimate because they don't know what they're looking at. If you didn't get good drawings, then they don't know what they're supposed to be pricing, so that could cost you money. There will be time delays because of poor planning, and maybe there haven't, you know, for example, there you don't get all the selections made for all of the things that need to go into your house before, and so that's going to create delays uh, during construction and, and, you know, waiting on ordering um, things to come in. And then we've had experience where there are delays at the city because there are additional requirements that need to be checked or different reviews that need to be made. And if the drawings are not 100% complete, they're going to kick it back and make you fix them. So that can cost more money and that can delay the um, start of construction. And then, of course, construction errors. So if something, a detail is not clear on plans or you don't realize actually how big that room is until it gets built and you go, oh, well, that's not going to work for what I need. And then all of a sudden you're having to move two by fours. Um, That can get very costly. So there are a lot of steps you can take when all you're doing is moving lines on paper that are much more affordable. It's a much better time to do it than at the end of the project or during construction when um, all of a sudden you're faced with cost and time. So there's a lot to think about whenever you're going into a project on your own and trying to make a decision between, do I just need a contractor? Do I need a contractor interior designer? Do I need a contractor and an architect and an interior designer? (laughs) What do I do? So if you talk to a couple of people and find out what your options are, and then you can make a much more informed decision. So we would love to hear from you if you have had an experience with a project where you started off on one direction and realized that you actually needed to bring in another professional. We'd love to hear your experience and let us know what criteria you use to decide whether or not you need to call an architect. Feel free to visit our website to see our show notes. The website is hpdarch.com forward slash ahh75. That's Architecture Happy Hour 75 is our episode. And um, we'll have some links and some more notes here so that you can use this as a checklist. If you're getting ready to do a project, um, we're happy to be a resource. And um, if you like to connect with us on social media, you can find us at Arch Happy Hour. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And um, we love to hear from our listeners. So if you found this valuable and you've been listening and and you feel like you might want to give us a review, we'd really appreciate that. Um, Preferably a five-star review. That would be lovely. Um, If you feel like you've got ideas for future shows, we'd love to hear those too. So feel free. You can... At the bottom of the show notes, there's a a link to um, connect directly to Holly and me, and we would love to hear from you. We'd be happy to read a review on the next podcast and answer your questions. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye.